You're listening to The Good GP, the podcast for busy GPs. Welcome to The Good GP, and this is the latest episode in our special COVID series of podcasts. In this series, we're working in conjunction with our sister podcast series, Just a GP. And for practice managers, we suggest checking out Practice That, which is a podcast from the New South Wales and ACT faculty. My guest today is Dr. Sarah Newman, who is RACGP WA Counselor and Assistant Director of the Doctors' Health Advisory Service of Western Australia. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for having me. So, Sarah, we're going to be talking about doctors' mental health in the setting of disasters and COVID-19 specifically. Let's kick off. How can doctors prepare themselves for this coming pandemic? I think there's a lot of things that we can do. Doctors are in themselves internally quite resilient, it's found in the studies, and a lot of what we need to do now is to call on our own resilience that we already have. We are going to need to really uh, ramp up our self-care because we know that doctors already experience a lot of psychological distress and the distress of our patients of uh, fear of the virus and the implications for ourselves and our colleagues is going to be great. So this can, in some people, predispose them to anxiety, depression or burnout. And we know that doctors who are experiencing these things are not caring for themselves. They don't care well for their patients and they're not good for their organisations that they work for. So in times of stress, calling on things that you know that we should do as doctors, good eating, sleeping, exercising, which obviously is more difficult now, but things like online subscriptions, that sort of thing, are all going to be important, as is calling on the things that make you tick. The things that you do to look after yourself outside of general practice and medicine are going to be important to attend to. We also need to, in times of stress, make sure that we're getting good information. So there's a lot of uh, sensationalisation in the, in the media about what is going on and it can create a lot of stress frequently checking the news or being bombarded by messages. So making sure we get our information from good sources, such as in WA, the WAPRA, uh, RACGP and the Health Department, to make sure that we are provided with the most up-to-date management of patients and how we can protect ourselves. I think we all need doctors are leaders in our community and this means that our patient can look at us in situations of, of distress and panic and it's really important that we as a, as a profession and when we're managing our patients help um, provide a sense of stability and calm and try to move <laughs> away from, from panicking which is obviously in these unprecedented times something that can be at the forefront um, for a lot of a lot of people. So being sort of grounded and taking things on a, a day-to-day uh, measure with the information that we do have. Yep. I think also we actually have some advantages being in the times that we are now in the fact that even though we are being encouraged and should be isolating ourselves, we have the ability to stay connected virtually with friends and our family and our colleagues, yep. which I really encourage people to enlist in to make sure they still keep those social connections up that are really yeah. important to self-sustain through the hard time. Critically important, yeah. I think GPs more than a lot of other medical specialists are quite social beings 
And certainly the thought of not being able to catch up with my friends has been one of the yeah. hardest things so far. Have you got any tips? Because there's an app that uh, a number of people, I've noticed it's trending quite highly, called House Party. And we've started using that at our work. Do you know anything about that app or uh, any similar apps? I've used it myself with my friends for a virtual uh, Saturday night. Um, yeah, and I've used Zoom as well. And they're really great. I mean, nothing's the same as, as catching up in, in person, but this really is a great way to connect with you know more than one person and really get that social connection that we will be missing over this time. So that's interesting what you say too about being leaders in our society. At my son's primary school, the parents were saying, oh, if your son's still at school, then it can't be that bad. But when we actually pulled him out of school, they were, um, they were saying, oh, look, and then that's when they started coming up and asking queries and questions. So I think you're right. In our societies, we are going to be the, the sort of leaders and, and keeping a calm approach is very, very important. So when we were talking prior to this podcast starting, you mentioned that there's three levels of psychological support and mental health care. Can you run our listeners through those three levels and, and what each one looks like? Uh, sure. So this comes from some advice from our colleagues in the South Australian Doctors Health Service. So the three levels would be our first is uh, level one and early response and support, which is useful for, for everyone to have. There's level two, which is for people who are having a little bit more distress and being more affected by, say, the anxiety and, and overwhelm that can be associated with dealing with disasters. And that's simple psychological strategies that can be used when things become a little bit more of a problem um, to help manage those things and level three is when there is a real problem and assessing and managing that with formal health interventions uh, and we'll find that level one is good for everyone level two uh, are for those people that break through with extra amounts of anxiety and distress and there'll be fewer people who will end up in level three but it's a really important level that we have to prevent any morbidity and possibly mortality that as a result of reactions to the stress of COVID and other disasters. So I guess in level one it's um, early response information and support so that includes as we are saying staying calm, promoting calm in ourselves and our colleagues, promoting the feelings of safety safety. So seek medical attention if you, if you need it and looking after yourself and not working if you're sick, doing the right things, being safe. It involves connectedness. So as we talked about socially, but also with our colleagues and the people that we work with in our practice, our nurses, our admin staff, our practice managers, that sort of stuff, and making the time to catch up. I found in my practice, it was really useful that every Friday over the past couple of weeks, we've had a catch up to talk about how we manage things and how we're all going. And that's been really useful for the team to keep that connectedness within our workplace. It also involves the sense of self-efficacy that we can do what we can do for ourselves. There are things that we can't control, but there are things that we can. And in those areas, that's where we should be putting our efforts. And then we have, I guess, the sense of hope that again comes to that role in, in society that we've got to bolster the morale of our patients and our colleagues to get through this sort of thing. It is an unprecedented pandemic that we are facing and it is the possibility that we will lose patients and lose family or colleagues as well. But we've got to stay on the hopeful, stay in the present and hope for the best. Mm. 
It was interesting to just pick up on two things there. So one is the sense of knowing and a, and a sense of calm. Uh, and that's something at the college at both the federal and the state levels that we've really been pushing government for is to just give us a clear and consistent message. Because I think, you know, people can deal with a lot as long as they know what's coming and what's actually happening. So the college has been big on promoting that and, you know, we've been pushing government to yeah, do that. Yeah, and I think that there has been clear messaging from the ROCGP about providing the best possible evidence-based practice now that if you give people information and good information, then it dissuades people from that sense of panic and helps to promote the calm and measured approach and knowing what you're doing and being able to take things as, as they come as we're going to need to roll with the punches here, I guess. The other thing I was interested in was what not to do in a level one response. And it's counterintuitive and I have heard it before, but tell yeah, us about that. It's interesting, isn't it? It's been a big thing that we should talk about our problems all the time and that's the way to resolve it. But there's actually evidence relating to long-term outcomes like PTSD and other things after critical incidents that having everyone debrief or having compulsory debriefing can in fact be harmful for some people and lead to, to worse outcomes. But for some people, it's really what they need. So it's not that everyone has to do it and people should really know that it's available and it should be readily available and visible to be able to debrief and have peer support and talk to people about their problems. But for those people who don't find that useful or don't want to do that, that they're not forced to re-go through things that they don't want to talk about and that they're dealing with in their own way. Mm. Oh, fair enough. Okay, and our level two strategies, the simple psychological strategies. Yeah, run us through that. <laughs> Your simple psychological strategies. So the ones that immediately pop to mind are the ones that are useful for managing those feelings of anxiety and hyperarousal. So things like mindfulness and other forms of meditation, body scans, breathing techniques, those sort of things. These are all readily accessible via your phone, via various applications. Say so, uh, Smiling Mind, Insight Timer, there's uh, Headspace. There's a whole variety that are available that are free and that just these small little things put into your day can in fact reduce down those feelings of anxiety. That's interesting. So there's actual evidence for that, is there? Yeah, there, there is, especially for mindfulness-based practices. So there's sort of things like really breaking it down into your priorities. What do I need to do now? What is important? What is not so important? What can I do? What can I change and what can I not? So thinking techniques along those cognitive behavioural therapy lines as well can help people get their thoughts and feelings sorted out and to see how what they think is influencing how they're feeling. As we've talked before about self-care and positive activities, meaningful things, pleasurable activities, which help give us a sense of control over the rest of our lives. And then again, we get to the, the social connections that you have and pulling on, the, on those to, to help support you through those tougher times. Mm. Yeah, and no, look, some great stuff there. And I think most of us should be or will be needing that by the time this is all over. Yeah. And then you mentioned there's level three, the formal mental health interventions, which is sort of as people are starting to run into uh, not just inconvenience, but actual morbidity and in some cases mortality, uh, as you mentioned. So what are these interventions? Well, first of all, we've got to think about ourselves and it's your own GP. Uh, at Doctors Health Advisory Service, we advise that every doctor should have their own doctor and an ongoing relationship with them. So there is your GP to help, as we know, to access um, psychological care through the mental health care plans and that sort of thing. We at 
Doctors Health Advisory Service also offer a, a crisis advice line. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we are really interested in hearing from people who are distressed, who are anxious, who have concerns about themselves or a colleague, just to give us a call. We're uh, staffed by experienced GPs with uh, psychiatrists overseeing, and we are here to support and to help people through this period. We really want to hear from people if they're struggling because we think we can really help and be able to to provide support, direct people in the right direction if they need to see a health professional. And we can also help triage that and make that process happen in a timely manner as it's needed. And that's for medical students as well. It's an amazing resource and really it runs off the goodwill of yourself and the other doctors who man and staff it. Because this is a national podcast, can you give us the resources that are available sort of nationwide for doctors and medical students who are finding themselves in need of these services? So the Doctors for Doctors website, which is the Doctors Health Services, which is a national body looking after the health and welfare of doctors, is available at DRS4, the number 4, drs.com.au. And that details the numbers and contacts of all the state Doctors Health Advisory Services, so all, all of our um, colleagues working interstate, every state has one of our services that provides a similar port for doctors. That also has a comprehensive resource list for doctors' self-care, doctors' health, and also for doctors who are interested in learning how to become doctors for doctors. Something that we offer in WA as well from Doctors Health Advisory Service is if people are having trouble finding their own GP or a psychiatrist, we have a list that details GPs who have self-expressed an interest in, in looking after and prioritising doctor and medical student patients, as well as a list of psychiatrists as well. And should anyone wish to join our list, we're always looking for interested practitioners as well. So you can apply via our website. Fantastic. And similar services are available through Doctors Health Advisory Services in other states? Yeah, similar. We all work slightly differently, but the contacts are um, available at the Doctors Health Services or you can normally find them by Googling Doctors Health and, and the state that you're in. Fantastic. Look, Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you for all of the work that you do. I dare say you're going to be quite busy in the coming months and years and no doubt we'll be speaking again soon. Great. Thanks, Sean.